Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Still freezing after all these years. Yeah, it's still cold here. <laughs> yeah, I saw the temperatures. Terrible up there in the Dude. Northeast. I really do feel for you. You have my sympathies. Yeah. That's uh, warmed up a bit down here, thank uh, thank God. It was cold. I didn't. I, it's the first time I've ever turned my heat on in three years. Down Is that right? Yeah. I've never, we didn't even know if it worked. We're like, turn the heat on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Um, folks, we're doing the show early today for a reason, and it's going to probably be up, uh, right, Joe, a little earlier today? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll put it up within uh, an hour after we finish. Yeah, The reason uh, I'm doing it early, this is the most important show I've ever done. I may have said that before, but obviously times change because we do more shows. So whatever was the most important show before is now being uh, taking the silver medal to this one. Okay. I, and the other reason is I usually do my show prep in the morning. Uh, I have been preparing for this show the entire weekend, which has driven my family crazy. I have not stopped looking at, I just got a new iPhone, the uh, the 10, the X. Um, and I had not stopped staring at it the entire weekend because what I'm about to tell you is extremely complicated. And in an, it's, a, it's a follow along onto Friday's story. Onto Friday's story about the biggest scandal in American history, which is... Mm the smokescreen of the Trump-Russia investigation to uncover a corrupt spying scandal by the Obama administration. Now, none of that is particularly new news, especially if you listen to Friday's show. You may be saying, well, are you going to do Friday's show again? No. Um, here's what happened, folks. I was sent to a couple of websites, and I received a call this weekend about from someone, let's just say, who is a source, who gave me some information I did not have on Friday, which leads me to believe this story that I'm about to tell you is even more disturbing. Now, I did get a lot of positive feedback on Friday's show. One negative feedback I did get is one of the listeners got confused. So in an effort to make this very simple, what I'm about to do, I'm going to break it down into Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3, like a movie. But it's real, sadly. And I'm going to tell you the end of it first so that you can keep all of these acts in context. Make sense, Joe? Yeah, yeah. The story I'm about to tell you is about the Trump-Russia thing. The Trump-Russia special counsel, folks, the investigation into Trump and the Russian collusion that never happened is a simple smokescreen to deflect away from the Obama administration spying on Trump and the evidence is all coming out now. Everything I'm about to tell you is about to prove to you and I'm going to tell you a story at the end that's going to blow your mind. That what happened in the Obama administration is the biggest scandal in American history that they thought would go away because they thought Hillary was going to be elected. So just to be clear, everything I'm about to tell you is going to line up and provide almost incontrovertible evidence here that Obama spied on Trump. Okay, Joe? Makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Act one. The emails. What are the emails? When I say the emails, I'm talking about the DNC and what they call the DNC being hacked. Now, let's be clear on this. When they say the DNC, I'm talking about the Democrat National Committee. Nobody really knows if the DNC was, in fact, hacked in the way the Democrats have told you they were hacked. The way the story goes now, Joe, with the mainstream media hacks, pun intended, and the Democrats, is that the Russians hacked into the DNC, the Democrat National Committee, Joe, 
to get negative evidence on Hillary and the Democrats so Trump could win the election. That's the narrative, right? Okay. We've all been told it. We've all heard it a thousand times. Most people just accept it as true. We got it. We're, we got it wired. Okay. You got it. When, now, and by the way, someone celebrated the fact that you were the audience ombudsman this week, and they said you do a terrific job. I'm not kidding. I'll forward you the email. Well, thank that you. That when we don't understand, you stop them. So good. So if, I, if at any point, Joe, be the audience ombudsman. If this gets confusing, stop sure. me. So the accepted narrative now from the media and the Democrats is that the Russians hacked into the DNC so Trump could win the election. This alleged hacking, and I say alleged, folks, and I'm not going to dig too deeply into this because it, it'll I have a lot to get to and it's going to divert from the real story here. But this alleged hacking occurred right around March of 2016 okay. because we know in April, electionleaks.com and dcleaks.com were registered and that's where the information started to appear. The DNC emails, the Podesta emails. Now, I say hacking, and I use the air quotes here about the DNC being hacked, because the evidence is sketchy that that even happened. Now, there's no question someone gained access to the DNC and John Podesta's emails, but Podesta's emails, who was Hillary's one of Hillary's consigliere's, had Podesta's emails they got through a phishing scam, where they send you one of those emails, Joe, click here, yeah. and one of the dopes in his campaign clicked on it. Also... Based on some information about download speeds, and you know, this is disputed by both sides to be fair. Bottom line is no one really knows who hacked the DNC. Nobody. If someone tells you they do their line, there's evidence that someone involved in Ukraine may have done it, that someone involved in Russia may fit some kind of pattern, but that nobody knows how it was hacked. Also, keep in mind, right around that time, conveniently, Joe. Yes. And that please take a note on this, folks. I'm just saying, I'm throwing this out there. Conveniently at that time, the House IT scandal was blowing up. Oh, yeah. The House IT scandal was these Pakistani brothers, the okay. uh, Wan brothers, who were given access to an iPad by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was in charge of the DNC, to the DNC emails. Those brothers subsequently fed the, fled to Pakistan. But, Joe, let's not f- forget about that. All right. That may not have anything to do with this. Joe, now that I can see you, wink and a nod, right? May not have anything to do. Folks, again, I'm being serious. I don't know that the Awan brothers had anything to do with it. I'm just saying that right around that time is when they were given access to the DNC emails that were, Joe, according to the media, hacked by the Russians, okay? Okay. This is important, though, that you understand this part. This is Act 1, the emails. The emails are stolen. The media and the Democrats want you to believe the Russians did it. Why is that important? It's important because now Act 1 is short. It's the shortest act because it sets up Act 2 and Act 3, which are detailed. Because it sets up everything in Act 2 and Act 3. The Russians did it, right? Supposedly. The Democrats need a fall guy. They need a fall guy and they need a way to target the Trump administration. Obama hates the Trump administration. They can't say, well, the Trump at that point campaign in 2016. Right. They can't stand them. There's already efforts ongoing at this point by political operatives, which is understandable to attack Trump. Of course, he's running a presidential campaign. Understandable. Totally legal, by the way. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Now... The Russian narrative that the Russians did it 
may have given some people with investigative and government law enforcement intelligence powers an incentive to see if the Russians did it, what they could do to get the Trump team to bite on the Russians having the emails. You see where I'm going with this show? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do we approach the Trump team with this Russian information I mean, keep in mind, they don't have the Russian information. This is a myth right now that the that the the, the media is propagating, that the the, the liberals are, are, are putting out there, that the Russians did it. But they see an opening. Somebody at some point, and this is the only information I don't have for you that's conclusive or based on a very strict timeline. At some point after this thing is hacked, someone gets the bright idea, intel, law enforcement, I don't know where. But someone gets the bright idea to start approaching the Trump team in a setup type operation. I'm, a, I'm, I'm being very careful with my words. Likely to approach them with this information from the Russians. Now, you may say, well, Dan, that's a big thing you're saying right now. You're saying that someone in the federal government, law enforcement and intel, May have had something to do. And I'm saying may because, again, I don't have the hard timeline. This is the the Rosetta Stone. This Once we find this out, this is the keys to the kingdom. Somebody gets the bright idea right after. Remember the timeline, Joe. March, the, the, the DNC is, quote, hacked. April, the information starts to appear. In, this is 2016. Shortly after that, in June, an investigation, a counterintelligence investigation begins at the Trump. We know that. The question is, was the investigation a sting, a setup on the Trump team the entire time? Where someone had the bright idea, let's go to the Trump team and say we have this Russian intel, this Russian uh, this Russian hack intel and the DNC data, and let's see what they do with it. Does that make sense, Joe? Yeah. 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 Now, Joe, do you have those cuts ready? We're all set. Folks, this is, most, this is the most important soundbite you're going to hear that I've ever put out there. Let me set this up for you in case you're having any nothing, nothing I say in this show, nothing will be open for dispute. If I have to speculate, I'll say may. The fact that an investigation, a counterintelligence investigation was opened up on the Trump team is not in dispute. Right after the DNC, quote, hack. The question is why? What criminal activity illicit activity was the Trump team engaged in that the FBI in conjunction with the DOJ opened up the largest, most consequential counterintelligence, well I shouldn't say largest, the most consequential counterintelligence investigation on a presidential candidate in modern American history. Was it a sting? Was it a setup? Now you say, well, how do you know the FBI shortly afterwards opened up an investigation into the Trump team? Play this sound cut of Elise Stefanik. She's a representative, a congressional representative from New York, questioning Jim Comey of March in 2017 about when the investigation into Trump opened up. And I want you to pay very close attention when she asks him why he didn't notify Congress. Pay attention to how he answers it. Play this. I'm gonna. It's a long cut. It's three minutes, so we're gonna break it down into uh, basically a, a. We're gonna cut it in half. Because I have to explain to you, and it'll play the cut. Uh, Miss Stefanik's recognized. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Director Comey and Admiral Rogers for your testimony today. Uh, my first set of questions are directed at Director Comey. Broadly, when the FBI has any open counterintelligence investigation, what are the typical protocols or procedures for notifying the DNI, the White House, and senior congressional leadership? There is a... Um practice of a quarterly briefing on sensitive cases to the chair and ranking of the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. And the reason I hesitate is, thanks to feedback we've gotten, we're trying to make it better. And that involves a briefing of the Department of Justice, I believe the DNI, and the, uh, some portion of the National Security Council at the White House. So if that's so quarterly... To brief them before Congress is briefed. So it's quarterly for all three, then senior congressional leadership, the White House, and the DNI? I think that's right. Now, that's by practice, not by rule or by written policy, which is why, uh, thanks to the chair and ranking giving us feedback, we're trying to uh, tweak it in certain ways. So since in your opening statement you confirmed that there is a counterintelligence investigation currently open, and you also re referenced that it started in July, when did you notify the DNI, the White House, or senior congressional leadership? It's a good question. Congressional leadership, sometime recently, they were briefed uh, on the nature of the investigation in some detail, as I said. Obviously, the Department of Justice has been aware of it all along. The DNI, I don't know what the DNI's knowledge of it was because we didn't have a DNI until uh, Mr. Coates took office and I briefed him his first morning in office. No, that is not true. Folks, that is the most important soundbite you will hear. I think that, I don't know if, why is nobody in the media reporting on this? Think about what, she, what Jim Comey just said. Keep in mind when that was when that soundbite happened. That soundbite I just played for you was a recording of a congressional hearing in March of 2017. Jim Comey says in there that the procedure, Joe, I, oh man, this is important. When you have a counterintelligence investigation, right. the procedure, Joe, is crystal clear. He says, as a matter of practice, we notify the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, the White House, and congressional leadership, basically the Gang of Eight that are responsible for oversight over the Bureau and these kind of counterintelligence activities. But notice, Representative Stefanik asks him, when did this start? And he acknowledges it started in July, it really started around June of 2016. But Joe, did you hear what he said when she asked him, when did you notify Congress? He says recently. Oh, this is March of 2017. So there are two takeaways from this. Remember Act One, the emails. The Democrats said the Russians did it. Russians all of a sudden start approaching the Trump team, folks. Veselnitskaya. All of a sudden, Papadopoulos is in a bar and information starts getting back to the Americans through other, other intelligence contacts. People start approaching the Trump team. Comey acknowledges in a congressional hearing there is already a counterintelligence operation going on against a presidential candidate. 
bingo, and he bails and he, and he bails on it. He leaves the question, and he doesn't notify Congress, and he admits it, and he's stunned at the question. Now, I, I was on Fox and Friends this week, and I said he panicked. Panicked is probably not right, the term. You can see in his face, though, he's shocked by the question, Joe, because I think he knows right away now he's caught. Look at his face. He says he he says things that are factually incorrect. Mm. Now, you may say, what did he say is factually incorrect? Joe, there are three people you're supposed to notify. He says it. The DNI, the White House, and Congress. All right. Who is the only person of those three he notified? The White House. He waited eight months to notify Congress on what was supposed to be, according to his words, Joe, not mine, a quarterly briefing. Now, Joe, a year is 12 months, right? Yes, it is, Dan. So is a quarter of a year eight months? No, it's not, Dan. That was not a trick question. Yes, you're right, Joe. It is not eight months. (laughs) He waited eight months. They asked him why he didn't notify the DNI. He said there wasn't one. Not true. Jim Clapper was the DNI at the time in 2016. That is not true, what he said. He also says something, which I maybe it's just me as a federal investigator. I caught it that I don't know if anyone else is catching. He makes a point, Joe, during that to say this notification process to Congress about what, Joe, is only the most consequential counterintelligence investigation against the Trump team in modern American history. He says, oh, by the way, the notification is kind of practice, but it's not a rule. Hmm. Why would he say that? Joe, you think Congress knows what the practice is? They've only been getting briefed quarterly, right? Forever. You think they understand the practice? I would think so. I would think so, too. Yeah. Why is Comey throwing out there... That, oh, by the way, this isn't the law. This is just a rule. Why do you think he may do something like that when he realizes he's busted that he didn't notify Congress about the largest counterintelligence investigation in American history? Joe, let me throw this out there to you as the audience on Buzzman. Maybe the fact that he sees himself in legal jeopardy, boom. CYA. CYA, cover your... mm. Right. You're damn right. Congress is quite familiar with what the practice is. Comey understands right now he's in a corner. Ladies and gentlemen, please explain to me again why the largest counterintelligence, I keep saying the largest, the most consequential, I mean most significant, counterintelligence investigation in modern American history into the Donald Trump team is going on within the FBI Conveniently, right after the Russian hack, when Russians start approaching the Trump team and Jim Comey, the director of the FBI, Joe just forgets to notify Congress. Reminds me of that scene in A Few Good Men Mm. (laughs) where they talk about the, you know, the, 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 the guy packing to leave. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he just forgets. He forgot you for you. You you didn't now. I have to pay the second I have to play the second half of this cut. Now, this is critical in the second half. He tries to explain why they didn't notify Congress and it's not because he forgot. I'm I'm, I'm throwing that out there because it's it, nothing makes sense here. He explains why. Play the cut and then I'll explain to you why this is significant afterwards. 
So just to drill down on this, um, if, if the open investigation began in July and the briefing of congressional leadership only occurred recently, why was there no notification prior to the recent, the past month? I think our decision was it was a matter of such sensitivity that we wouldn't include it in the quarterly briefings. So when you state our decision, uh, is that your decision? Is that usually your decision what gets briefed uh, in those quarterly updates? No, it's usually the decision of the head of our counterintelligence division. And just, uh, again, to get the detailed uh, on the record, why was the decision made not to brief uh, senior congressional leadership until recently, when the investigation had been open since July, um, a very serious investigation? Why was that decision made to wait months? Because of the sensitivity of the matter. Wait, what? Come again? Joe. Mm -hmm. You understand that the entire purpose for congressional oversight over counterintelligence investigations is precisely because of the sensitivity of the matters. 10-4. By the way, Joe, don't you remember Jim Comey saying that he objected to the classification of the Clinton email investigation as a matter? Don't you remember <laughs> the line, we're not the Federal Bureau of Matters, we're the Federal Bureau of Investigation? All of a sudden, Jim Comey's calling it a matter. I thought you didn't like the word matter. Jim, what happened? Wow. The matter? We didn't notify Congress because it was sensitive? That's the whole purpose of congressional oversight. What do you think? We're stupid? Also, by the way, he doesn't mention the name, which is awfully convenient, of the counterintelligence head of the FBI, who he says in that clip told him not to say anything. That person's name is Bill Priestep. Now, I don't know Bill Priestep, but I know his wife's a mega donor to Clinton. Well, I shouldn't say a mega donor, but a pretty big donor to Hillary Clinton. Now, folks, I have an article in the show notes today. I, I kept the show notes brief at Bongino.com, and please subscribe to my email list. I will email you these notes every day. I have an article from a website. I don't know these guys. I've never met them. I just got a call this weekend that leads me to believe that something very suspicious is going on. I can tell you from their information that they link to everything. The article in the show notes lays out this timeline I'm about to tell you. It's the first article in the show notes today. It's long. It's about a 2,000 word piece. If you don't read this piece, you are doing yourself a disservice to this country. Because when you read this piece, you will be absolutely blown away. And everything I'm telling you, well, not everything. I've added some stuff I've gotten from other people. Um, but most of what I'm telling you here, the core of it, is laid out in an elegant timeline in this piece that will absolutely blow your mind. It's the first article. There's also sublinks in the article where you can follow everything they're saying. All right, I'm going to get back into this in a second. I have to do a read here, but I want to just set up where we were and where we're going because I, I guess one person was confused on Friday and I feel bad because this is only the most consequential show I've ever done. Act one, the emails. The DNC is, quote, hacked into. The media wants you to believe. They want you to believe the Russians did it. After that happens, people start approaching the Trump team. And this is where I'm going to go right after this, uh, if this read. People start approaching the Trump team, alleging, Joe, that they have the Russian emails or the information. Right. At the same time, the FBI now publicly acknowledges starts a counterintelligence investigation into the Trump team. Hmm, Joe. And 
doesn't notify the DNI or Congress about it. The DNI is a separate issue, but fails to notify Congress about this, despite their quarterly uh, policy to do so. Jim Comey's questioned about it in March and stutters and stammers his way through it. Ordinarily, a guy that's as cool as the other side of the pillow. Something stinks here. And I'm telling you what stinks is this was the setup of the Trump team the whole time. All right, I'm going to get back into this for in a second. Uh, today's show brought to you by our buddies uh, at WaxRx. Listen, thank you so much. You guys, you guys are the best, and ladies, I mean it. We bring on a new sponsor. You guys go and support their stuff, and they love it. I, I really can't thank you enough, folks. You're, you're so you're so great and wonderful to this show. Um, it really means the world to me. Hey, when your ears aren't clean, they get really uncomfortable, right? I know. Me and Joe deal with this for a living. I'm looking at Joe now. Uh, you know, now we have this video set up, and we both got our cans on. It's the worst. Cans, meaning yeah. the, you know the headphones. That's what Joe calls them. Ears itch. They get painful. They get plugged up. They can make it hard to hear. A lot of people use cotton swabs, candling, or drugstore remedies to clean their ears, but they really don't do the job. This can be dangerous. It even says it on the back of the cotton swabs. Don't put this in your inner ear. Now you can get a real solution for stubborn earwax. The, uh, the Wax RX ear wash system is doctor developed and works safely when other products fail. It's a great system, folks. This is the best. I had a lot of problems with my ears in the Secret Service. I love this thing. The Wax RX system is the method physicians trust the most. And it's just like the system they use in their offices. WaxRx comes with everything you need to safely clean out earwax and condition your ears conveniently at home for less than the cost of a doctor's visit. Plus, you don't have to go to the doctor's office. The doctor-developed WaxRx system uses special wax softening drops to break down earwax inside the ear. It has a specially engineered pump fitted with a unique tip to gently deliver the perfect amount of cleansing pressure to flush the wax away. It's really cool. Finally, the pH-conditioned formula rinses and soothes the ears, making for the ultimate, most complete earwax removal system available. Visit GoWaxRx.com to order your reusable uh, earwash system today. Promo code here, folks, for free shipping. You always like promo codes. Dan, D-A-N, my first name. Visit GoWaxRx.com. That's Go waxrx.com this is a great system joe loves it i love it helps with those ears especially for our if i'm not hearing i ain't working so this is a great system go Mm -hmm. check it out okay getting back to this now we're still in act two the setup first was the emails act one act two the setup all of a sudden people start approaching the trump team remember the investigation Starts right around June, July of 2016. Mm-hmm. What happens, Joe, in June of 2016? A Russian lawyer, through a conduit, winds up getting a hold of a friend of Don Trump Jr., a publicist, and says to the friend, hey, we have information about Hillary that could be damaging. We need a meeting with Don Trump Jr. Wow. Wow. Why would that happen? Who shows up for the meeting, Joe? A woman with the uh, a woman with the last name of Veselnitskaya. She's a Russian lawyer who's connected, by the way, to Putin through uh, the company she works for that's run by a friend of Putin's, right? Mm-hmm. Who does this Russian lawyer meet with before she shows up to the meeting with Don Trump? Keep in mind, Act Two, the setup. Don't forget where we're going with this. Okay. She meets with Fusion GPS. Both before, by the way, and after. All right. 
she meets with, uh, she's there with Simpson from Fusion GPS, Glenn Simpson. Who's Fusion GPS? Fusion GPS is the company that was paid by the DNC and Hillary to go get this fake Russian intel that I'm telling you was later used to get a FISA warrant or at at a minimum some components of it because the press has already, CNN's already reported this, by the way, to then formally spy on the Trump team in October of this year. Remember, it's June. The FISA warrant's not even filed till October. They tried to get one in June. They were denied. Now, think about what I'm telling you. In June, right as this meeting with Don Trump Jr. is happening with this Russian lawyer who met with Fusion GPS, who was paid by Hillary and the DNC to put together fake Russian intel on Trump. Right around this time, the FBI, DOJ, DOJ in the CI community here, is applying for a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant through the FISC, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, to spy on the Trump team. Huh? Wait, what? Mm. They're denied. The court says no. You think the investigation stops? No, they come back in October. Now, keep in mind here, you may say, so this Russian lawyer meets with Fusion GPS, cronies for the Hillary campaign and the Russian government, before and after the meeting. She meets with Don Trump Jr., goes in there. She winds up. Now, keep in mind, Joe, she doesn't give Don Trump Jr. anything right. on Russian emails. Matter of fact, Don Trump Jr. just minutes in becomes frustrated with the, the crap going on in this meeting. He leaves the meeting. Not only does he leave the meeting, he then publicly on social media releases in an unbelievable act of transparency all of the emails surrounding the meeting. By the way. Where are those 33,000 emails, Hillary? Oh, oh, we don't have them. Okay, but that's another topic altogether. Don't you worry. Because remember, they're still insisting Russian collusion happened. And remember the global... I gave you Act 1, I gave you Act 2. Remember the whole storyline here is this is all a diversion to distract away from corruption at the FBI and the Obama administration in the form of spying on a presidential candidate, the biggest scandal in American history. This is the spying. So they go in, Joe, making this story even odder. They meet at Trump Tower. The woman is not an American citizen, Veselnitskaya, the Russian lawyer. She's not allowed in the country, Joe. She applies for a, what is it, immigration parole type exception to get into the country. Don't be confused by the words. She applies for, a, she wants to get in the country to represent her client in this court proceeding. Preet Bharara of the Southern District of New York, who Trump later fires, by the way, who has nothing fired him for, I, I believe, different reasons. But this guy's no fan of Trump, Joe. Preet Bharara himself denies this woman a visa to come into the United States. Not about himself, but in conjunction with the DOJ and the Southern District. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Says no. So, wait, wait, you just said, they said no. How did she, if they said no to the visa, then how did this Russian lawyer get into the United States to meet with the Trump team? And to meet with Fusion GPS that's being paid by the DNC later and Hillary to get information on Trump. How does she get in, Joe? Yeah, how? Oh, the State Department issued a visa? The Obama State Department? Wow. What? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A rare visa she gets, by the way. 
for, quote, people of significant public benefit. So DHS and state get together and say, no, no, we'll give her a visa. Huh. For significant public benefit, obviously a benefit not significant enough that the Department of Justice that was actually working on her case as she was representing this Russian company, they didn't think it was significant enough to let her in. But all of a sudden, State Department in conjunction with DHS works to let her in for some significant public benefit right around the time. The FBI is initiating a counterintelligence investigation against the Trump team. Mm. How does that happen, Joe? That's just crazy, isn't it? Son of a gun. Yeah, you Son better. of a gun. Are you like a crazy person? <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are like crazy people. Because we're only putting out there information that, folks, nothing I've told you is factually inaccurate. We're now getting to the, as a, the people on the, the website say, Occam's Razor, which is essentially... Given all possible explanations, always accept the one that's the uh, that that has the most parsimony. Uh, basically, keep it simple, stupid. Huh, yeah. Does this make any sense? Democrats want you to believe Russians hacked emails. Democrats can't prove Russians hacked emails. They need something on Trump. Obama administration hates Trump. FBI all of a sudden opens up investigation on Trump. Doesn't tell Congress that they're supposed to. They're supposed to tell Congress. Doesn't tell Congress there's an investigation on Trump. All of a sudden, Russian gets into the country to meet with Trump, alleging to have Russian emails or information from the Russians. Russian lawyer can't get into the country. Obama State Department intervenes to get Russian into the country on special visa for significant public benefit. (sighs) Ooh, baby, is this thing getting ugly. Yeah. Okay. Now what happens? Well, before we get to that, let me just, because we're going to go to act three in a second, but let me get this stuff out of it. I'm sorry, folks, but we cool. do have to pay for the show. Again, I always appreciate you bearing with me here. Uh, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. You know I love iTarget. Uh, these guys are great. iTarget is the best firearm training uh, self-defense system around. Love it, love it, love it, because I can't get to the range. I have a, My day today is just stacked, start to finish. I'm not doing the show early because of that. I'm doing it because it's important, but I have a really busy day today, and I can't always get to the range. You want to train in the safety and security of your own home? Use the iTarget Pro system. That's the letter I, by the way. What is the iTarget Pro system? Folks, the range is great, but it's expensive. You got to get there. You got to buy ammunition. You got to clean your gun. You got to drive there. You got to drive back. You can't do it every day. You should do it, but you can't do that every day. Some You can't even do it every month. iTarget system is a laser bullet they will send you. Drops in the firearm you have now. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to buy a separate barrel, no special tools. You just drop this laser bullet and it has a rubber backstop. And when you depress the trigger on this, on your firearm you have now, I have a Glock 43. The laser bullet in there is going to emit a laser onto a target they send you, and it's all going to be tracked on this phone app. It is the coolest system out there. People send me emails. They can't put it down. One guy cursed me, Joe. He's like, damn you, Dan Bongino. I can't put this thing down. I'm not kidding. I'm not making it. Folks, I never lied to my audience, okay? This thing is amazing. The guy sent me, like, in one day, he improved his groups from, like, a basketball-sized group of, of rounds to, like, a golf ball size. You'll be shooting the wings off a firefly when you're done with this thing. Go check it out. It's available at the letter I, itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. I'll give you a promo code. Dan, my first name, you'll get 10% off. That's a nice rebate, folks. This system is unbelievable, folks. Anybody can shoot a firearm. The only question is, can you shoot it 
accurately? That's the question. Competitive shooters, people who do this for a living, whose lives revolve around it, right? They dry fire their weapons 10 times more than they live fire. Take your dry fire training to the next level. Get that target up. You can practice around corners. You can practice in the safety and security of your own house where, God forbid, something may happen in a self-defense scenario. This is a great system. Go check it out. ITargetPro.com, promo code Dan. That's ITargetPro.com, promo code Dan. Go check it out. Hey, man, we're going to have to make a drop out of that. Damn you, Dan Bongino. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. We we, we need one more, Dan. And it's true. It is the email that he's like, I can't put the damn thing down. People love the system. It's crazy. Uh, All right. Now, let's get to Act 3. All right. Act 3, we're going to call the daylight. So Act 1, emails. Act two, the setup on the emails. Have we explained that enough, Joe, so yeah, far? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Timing Act, is everything here, babe. Timing is everything. Yeah. Act three, the daylight. A little melodramatic, but I said yeah. the daylight. The daylight. But I couldn't, th- I, honest to God, couldn't think of anything else to call it. Okay. This is a piece of the puzzle I was given this weekend that blew me away, that I did not have on Friday. Right after Trump wins the election, Joe... Right around November, mm-hmm. Admiral Mike Rogers of the NSA, who's a decorated military man, runs the National Security Agency. Mm-hmm. Let's just say right before the election, Mike Rogers gets very suspicious about what's going on. And, and to be clear, what I'm hearing and reading, we're trying to, Mike Rogers is the hero of this story of Act 3. Again, I'm trying to give you an overview so nobody gets confused where I'm going with this. We're good. Right before the election, Mike Rogers of the NSA, who would be read in basically on any kind of CIA operation, counterintelligence operation that was going on at, at, at some level, not all of it because it's compartmentalized information in specific agencies, but has an idea of what's going on, becomes very suspicious, Joe about the spying procedures of the NSA and the gathering of email and phone data on people in the United States. We know this. Mm -hmm. It's in the timeline I'll give you. It's linked. You can read the PDFs yourself. Now, what specifically concerns Mike Rogers, I don't know. But what I'm about to tell you are all facts. I'm just, I want to lay out what I'm speculating on. What concerned Mike Rogers so much about the NSA basically spying on people, Joe? For him to submit to the FISA court that there was a problem, which he does at the end of the summer of 2016, okay? All right. Before the election, he submits to the FISA court, Houston, we have a problem. Somebody is spying on someone in violation of our rules. That's not in dispute. Is that the Trump spying? I don't know. But what I'm about to tell you leads me to believe that it was. Rogers says to himself, something's going on, submits this review. Right around that time, the person who submitted the review at DOJ National Security Division, a guy named John Carlin, excuse me, the John Carlin of the DOJ National Security Division resigns. DOJ National Security Division is interesting. They're unique because they don't have oversight by the IG. So they're kind of out there doing their own thing because Sally Yates in 2015 submitted a memo, which is in the piece, by the way. Sally Yates submits a memo saying, we don't want to be under the IG supervision. 
They're basically internal affairs. So DOJ NSD is almost doing its own thing, Joe. Hmm. A guy in DOJ NSD who would be read in on the application to the FISA court to spy on the Trump team resigns. Right around the same time, Joe, that Admiral Mike Rogers, the NSA, says, hey, something fishy's going on at the NSA with the spying. Weird. Crazy how that happens. Hmm. Guy just resigns. <sighs> he submits this for he, he submits this review. The review comes back and it's negative. And Rogers decides they're going to change procedures at the NSA going forward about certain queries into the system about phone and phone and email data. Another weird thing. Here's the uh, here's the coup de gras. Rogers, Mike Rogers, right after the election waits about 10 days and he goes and visits Trump in Trump Tower and he tells nobody about it. Nobody in the, at least nobody in the military or nobody in the Obama White House about this visit. Now, two questions, Joe. Why would Mike Rogers, the head of the NSA, after the election of Donald Trump, keep in mind, Trump's the president-elect now, it's about 10 days later. Why would he visit Trump in Trump Tower and not tell anyone? And secondly, why would he wait 10 days to do it? Now, I'm going to propose to you as a former Secret Service agent that the SCIF, the Sensitive Compartmentalized Information Facility, where you can share information free of spying, I'm not going to tell you how they do it, but it's not complicated. They set these things up in a room with certain countermeasures so that you can talk freely, Joe, and we know we're not being spied on. Right. That would probably take between five and 10 days to set up. Huh. Mike Rogers, who's the head of the NSA, who has just submitted the NSA for a review and complained to the FISA court about some spying going on that he wasn't comfortable with, runs up to talk to Trump about 10 days later when a skiff is set up where he can talk privately and not worried about being monitored. Mm. He talks to Trump on November 17th. What happens on November 18th, Joe? Well, you don't know because I haven't briefed you on this. Mm-hmm. On November 18th, the Trump team evacuates Trump Tower and wow. moves to Bedminster, New Jersey, where it does all its subsequent interviews. Remember that place in Bedmin- Bedminster, New Jersey? He'd come out, he'd wave at all the people. Why do you think that happened? You think maybe Mike Rogers knew the entire time that something fishy was going on with the entire government counterintelligence operation that Donald, uh, that Obama, the Obama team had its mitts and its, and its tentacles in, that they were spying on the Trump team the entire time, and that Rogers went up to Trump Tower and didn't tell his, uh, the White House about it to warn the Trump team? Folks, I don't know what Mike Rogers told Donald Trump, but I'm telling you it is damn suspicious and you don't have to be a criminal investigator to figure this out, that the next day they left Trump Tower. Why? Why did they do it? Remember all those interviews in Trump Tower? Joe, remember it? Everybody was going up the elevator, giving press conferences. Next day, bang, they're gone. Wow. Joe, I did not tell you any of this before the show, right? Right. Does that not blow your damn mind or what? It's like running into a brick wall. I'm not kidding you. I I made a call on this this weekend to double and triple check this. Not that the dates are obvious. You can just look these dates up online. When did Mike Rogers visit Trump? When did they go to Bedminster? This isn't complicated. But he waits 10 days for a skiff to get set up. 
Here's what I'm going to suggest to you probably happen. Mike Rogers of the NSA knows who sets up the SCIF, WACA, the White House Communications Agency, in conjunction with TSD from the Secret Service, Technical Security Division. Gets word from someone that the SCIF is set up in Trump Tower. In other words, they can talk there free of being wiretapped, spied on, surveilled, whatever you want to call it. He takes the trip up telling no one. He warns the Trump team, you're being spied on. This is not right. You're being spied on right now by the Obama team. The Trump team rapidly decamps Trump Tower, heads up to Bedminster where they know they're not being spied on. Does the Trump tweet later on in March now make sense about I'm being wiretapped in Trump Tower? Folks, is the bell finally going off? Do you understand the level of corruption we're talking about here? Do you understand now why Jim Comey panicked? I shouldn't say panicked. Why he has an unusual response at the least to the question about why he didn't notify Congress about the most significant counterintelligence operation in U.S. history? Folks, these people may have committed a crime. The Obama team was spying on them. The Obama team was spying on them. And Joe, not one person involved in this, not one has produced a predicate crime yet that the Trump team committed to authorize surveillance on them and their team. Yeah, well, well uh, Give if me you're a, wait, take waiting a for me to say something, I'm speechless. You know? No, take a breather here for a second because I, yeah, Joe, you can see me now. This is my, no, I'm only up to here and I want to wrap this up and tie this up for you. I just, folks, I get goosebumps talking about this. I yeah. literally spent 16 hours this weekend on the phones and reading through material sent to me to put this together for you, to expose to you what I'm telling you is the biggest scandal in U.S. history. They never thought Trump would win. They never thought any of this spying was going to see the daylight. When Trump won, they panicked. Nobody knew what to do. When Trump won, they freaked out. They realized all this was going to come out. So they needed a diversion. And Joe, what was the diversion? Russian collusion. Yeah. Damn it. That was the whole time. This is what they they invented. They invented a fake story. With the, by the way, convenient, John Carlin, the guy in DOJ, NSD, National Security Division, yeah. who knew all of this about the spying, Joe, who resigns right as Mike Rogers finds out what's going on. Uh-huh. Who do you think John Carlin was chief of staff to before he was the head of DOJ National Security Division? Um, Oh, Bob Mueller, the head of the special counsel. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You put two and two together. Come on, dude. I'm, I'm Joseph. I'm I, you read the show notes today. I'm telling you everything I'm telling you is true. Let me throw one more angle out at you. Who else do you think knows what's going on here because of his position in the federal government beforehand? Let me just suggest to you, maybe it's Mike Flynn. Who's Mike Flynn? Mike Flynn is appointed Trump's national security advisor when Trump's elected. Flynn was the head of the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency. Does he know everything that's going on due to the sensitive and compartmentalized nature of the information? He probably doesn't know everything, the extent of the spying, Joe. But, oh, I'm telling you, he knows something. 
So conveniently, right at the time of the Mike Rogers meeting, Joe, up at Trump Tower where Trump flees, what happens the very next day to Rogers? I'll get to Flynn in a second, but this is important. The very next day, the uh, Obama administration officials start calling for the termination of Mike Rogers at the NSA. Why would that happen? Maybe because Mike Rogers is the hero in this entire story and the Obama team realizes they've just been outed to Trump. Here's the problem, though. And I'm surmising here a bit because I want to be fair to you. I don't think they had anything on Rogers outside of the fact that he was exposing them. In other words, they didn't have anything on him to get him on easy. So he was going to be a difficult person to lock up. It would also be very suspicious. Flynn, on the other hand, they needed a setup. So what's the setup on Flynn? Who, by the way, Joe, keep in mind, why set up Flynn? Because I'm telling you he knows not everything Rogers knows, but he knows a lot about how the Trump team was being spied on. Mm -hmm. So how do they nail Flynn? The Fusion GPS dossier, the fake Russian intel, it's phony, provided to the Democrats, finds its way into the DOJ through Nellie Orr, who's married to Bruce Orr, who's an upper-level manager in the DOJ who has access to DOJ officials, including DOJ NSD John, uh, John Carlin before. Nellie Orr works for the company that's being paid by the DNC to gather fake Russian intel on Trump. You following? Yeah. That fake Russian intel through Nellie Orr and Fusion GPS gets over to Bruce Orr her spouse, who's working at DOJ in an upper-level management position, who meets with them at Fusion GPS. They then use that information to reapply for a spying warrant through the FISA court that was denied to them in June. They get it in October. They get the ability to spy. All of a sudden, they have recordings and phone calls. But here's the kicker. And here's where I think you're going to totally reevaluate what happened to Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn takes a couple day vacation, Joe, after all this, to the Dominican Republic. Okay. Mike Flynn in the Dominican Republic doesn't have the network of secure comms. Obviously, he has in the United States. All of a sudden, the Obama administration repossesses a Russian facility in the United States and kicks out the Russians. They do it right around the time Flynn is over in the Dominican Republic. Flynn starts getting calls as the incoming national security advisor from the Russian ambassador. Flynn knows he's being monitored, but they record the calls. Nothing illegal happens on the calls. Those are calls are record those calls are recorded. Now, although I can't prove it, I think the suspicious timing of kicking out the Russians, knowing the Russians would call Flynn while he's in DR, hmm, hmm, strange, hmm, you figure it out. The call's recorded, Joe. Flynn's in the White House in the transition. In the White House, the FBI comes over under the guise that they're going to talk National Security Council FBI coordination. Nobody tells him this is a criminal interview. He has no lawyer present. The FBI, Joe, in the interview led by Peter Stroke, right? Peter Stroke, who's having an affair with Lisa Page and texts to Lisa Page, a DOJ lawyer, that they need an insurance policy in case Trump is elected and is a known Trump hater, Peter Stroke, for the FBI, leads the interview. Well, oh, that's fair. That's, that sounds legit. Yeah. 
Peter Stroke has the transcript. The other person in the interview with Stroke, they interview Flynn about his call with the Russian ambassador. Keep in mind, completely blindsiding him. The other agent in the room, you will never look at Flynn the same way after this. The other agent in the room goes back and tells Andy McCabe, who's supervising this investigation, the number two at the FBI, whose wife is a noted Democrat who took hundreds of thousands of dollars from Hillary Clinton consigliaries. The number two in the room, Joe, I see you nodding your head. Mm -hmm. The number two in the room with Flynn goes back and tells Andy McCabe that Flynn was open and honest. Nothing to see here. Wait. Well, why was Flynn then prosecuted for false statements to the FBI? Because Stroke tells Andy McCabe, hey, I'm not so sure. McCabe and them turn around and decide to prosecute anyway because what was said in the interview didn't marry up exactly to the transcript. Which, Joe, if I had a transcript of a conversation with you I had this weekend, I would never be able to marry it up. I'm telling you, Flynn was taken out legally because he knows exactly what I'm telling you right now. And these charges and investigation being held over his head by Mueller's special counsel are a way to shut him up from exposing everything Mike Rogers and him knows. Now, the final piece of the puzzle. Devin Nunez, who's on the Gang of Eight, the Gang of Eight that has oversight authority over counterintelligence operations show, Devin Nunez in March of 2017, right after the Trump DNI, Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coates, right afterwards, after DNI Coates is uh, approved by the Senate, his nomination, immediately afterwards, that t- it's important, don't forget that fact, Devin Nunez, Congressman from California, who has oversight authority over counterintelligence operations, goes over to a skiff on the White House grounds, the only place the information would be available because of the compartmentalized nature of it. Remember, Joe, these computers are not connected. Right. He has to see it at the White House, but he only can see it after the DNI is approved. Coates, who smells something wrong here and is probably notified by Rogers that something's up. Nunez goes over to the White House and reads on their computer, the only place he can see it, He reads an account of what happened, Joe, so disturbing that he immediately walks out in front of the cameras and gives a press conference about how disturbed he is about what he saw in that room and that it had nothing to do with the Russians. What happens to Devin Nunez right after that? Democrats in the House open a disingenuous ethics investigation, which, by the way, he was cleared of just recently. And he's kicked off the invest. He's kicked off the investigation temporarily, folks. I'm not messing with you, man. I'm not messing with you when I tell you that this is only the most important, critical, consequential, deeply impactful junction we have right now uh, in American history. I, I don't know how any of us can go forward knowing what I told you and expect to have any semblance of a constitutional republic left. What I just told you is true. Where I had to speculate, I was clear. I will put the article in the show notes. 
do yourself the biggest favor you've ever done yourself and take a half an hour and read it start to finish. Do yourself a favor and read it twice. Matter of fact, read it three times. And by the third time, I think it's going to blow you away that we have now turned the federal government under the Obama administration into a third world government enforced spying apparatus against their political enemies. Dispute anything I told you in this show. I'll see you tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.